Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. This is another interview we did at HR Tech with Ben Mones, CEO and founder of Fama.io. Listen in. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Oh, here we are in the press room, and we have joining us Ben Mones, who is CEO and founder of Fama. Welcome to the show. Great to meet you in person. Thanks a lot for having me. Ben, we're very curious what your company is. Can you explain a little bit what Fama is? Yeah, sure. So we sit in the talent screening ecosystem. You can think about us as kind of like the modern background check. So instead of looking at whether or not you went to the school you say you went to, whether or not you got that low-level marijuana charge a few years ago, we're much more concerned about the things that we think the modern customer, modern employee cares about today. Things like intolerance, threats, harassment, the sorts of stuff that affect the employee experience, but also have the potential to damage a brand in the eyes of a customer. So we look at everything from social media to web results to litigation, anything in that person's online footprint. That's really our remit for analysis and how we do what we do. What is your origin story of Fama? Ah, oh, well, it goes back. <laughs> yeah, my background is enterprise software. So I've been doing enterprise SaaS pretty much for my whole career, really working at companies, range of different focuses, but largely cloud-based tech, helping large companies solve tough problems. Started Fama not because I came out of HR, not because I came out of talent acquisition, but I had an experience at an early company where we hired a VP of sales for a position, You know, look great on paper, resume, references, checked out, bring the person on board. Six months in, he ends up doing something really bad to one of our female employees at the company. Horrible for her as the victim, You know, horrible for the company. We saw a significant downturn in the business. A lot of people left, about 80% turnover the next year. And when we were doing the postmortem, I was the person who hired both of those people. We saw all over this guy's social media, pejorative, misogynistic content about women that had we seen it, never would have brought this guy on board. So I really experienced the pain that we're solving for today as a company. Mm. And that stuck with me, especially in the early days as an entrepreneur, everyone's telling you why not to do it, why it's a feature, not a function, why no one's going to buy it. I started in 2015 and it was really people saying to me like, yeah, social media, like my kids are on social, but what does that have to do with hiring? Right. It was before Mm. the kind of epidemic of the racist tweet, if you will. So yeah, I knew the pain that we were solving for early on from a very primary perspective. And that's really what we were able to find people who'd experienced something similar, raised some venture capital in the early days out in Los Angeles from an accelerator called Amplify. And that was our starting story. So here we are eight years later. How many employees do you have now? We're about 40. 40. Yeah. And we're a global team. So remote work from anywhere. Yeah. Do everything over Zoom, Slack and Lattice, all the digital collaboration tools that we have today. And tell me a little bit of the progression as far as when was your first hire and then how did it progress from there? You know, in the early days of a startup, it's a lot of individual contributors who are just trying to do whatever they can to achieve the impossible. And so the early days was a lot of engineers, product managers, some salespeople early on to kind of drive demand. But really, to put it simply, we were throwing stuff at the wall and trying to see what would stick, trying to figure out, is there a product here? How do we sell it? For example, do we sell this direct to HR teams? Do we sell this through background screening firms, a tracking system? So really figuring out the product mix, how we took it to market. So the early days was just a bunch of people who believed in the why, who had a sort of resonance with my founding store, with my experience, folks that said, hey, 
I don't want to work at Google, Facebook, any of these big companies. Like I want to work towards a kind of cause-oriented company where I can create a better future for my kids, my daughters, etc. Really, in the early days, it was just a bunch of folks who were passionate, that believed in the why and kind of saw the future of what background screening could be, what it should be. We really think that background screening is kind of viewed today as keeping people out of your organization in this one kind of like dirty part of the onboarding process for a candidate. But we really think that background screening, it's all about retention. I mean, the people that you let into your organization are the ones that are really going to either get good people to leave or good people to stay, right? So we really want folks to think like, screening is a part of the entire employee experience mix, right? It's part of talent retention, part of talent screening. And that concept and idea, I think that sort of validation at the front of the candidate funnel was what got people early on to get excited and stick around, even though we had very little money and <laughs> I was the janitor and cleaning the floors and doing all that stuff. I remember literally unstopping toilets myself. So the early days were different than they are now, for sure. When was that moment that you're like, hey, we've got something here. It's going to work. I think when we started to see the biggest background screening firms in the world get behind what we were doing and some of the largest corporates from the biggest banks to sports leagues like Major League Baseball, for example, who are early customers, large tech companies that were using our technology. It was really the validation, I think, in the value that we were seeing that big companies, name brand companies that you read about, that you hear about, that are in movies, that are a part of the fabric of society as we know it, adding this to their tool mix, if you will, their toolkit. That was really the moment where we're like, hey, we we have something here. And you get, I think, somewhat venture capital and we've raised $30 million to date. And that kind of gives you some validation, although <laughs> the venture market's <laughs> a little crazy. So these days it's not necessarily like you have a real concept just because you can read a real business just because you can raise venture. But it was really in the value that we were providing to our clients. I think that uh, we started to see hiring decisions change and customers renew year over year over year. Our net retention is like 170%. So people who sign up buy more. Perfect. That's amazing. So you've answered a little bit. You could just kind of talked a little bit about who your customers are. Sure. Because in your example, you talk about the executive that had this propensity for unsavory things. What other types of companies? You said sports teams. What sort of sports teams? And why would they do a social media check? Well, it was interestingly like, this sort of figuring out your product and figuring out like who's going to buy it, who is it valuable to. And if you think, if you remember if any baseball fans here in the room or baseball fans who are listening, 2018, there was this whole like racist tweet epidemic where this guy on the Rockies pitched a perfect game and a fan of the opposing team like just hit the control F on his Twitter account, dug up all this racist stuff that he had said and this kind of set up this kind of waterfall of similar types of things coming out. So baseball signed up really to protect their brand in the eyes of their customers, wow. in the eyes of their fans, okay. and really saying, hey, what does it mean to be in the MLB? And certainly they have rules around and guidance around culture and their values, et cetera. And that was kind of a flagrant violation of that sort of thing. It was in the early days that we were like, oh, this is for pro athletes or this is for executives only. But what we found over the past few years is that we're seeing adoption across industries and across geographies. So for the first time last year, social media screening was ranked by PBSA and HR.com as a number one area of new expansion for all professional background screeners worldwide. So now we're seeing adoption across the biggest verticals are like financial services, mm -hmm. healthcare, mm -hmm. tech, staffing, retail. So starting to see a lot more companies come around to this concept of like, my brand is important, but this employee experience thing is really taking off. It's a hot topic. I think at this event, we're seeing a lot of companies focus on employee experience, but 
It's all connected in our view. How you screen people is directly relevant to how you keep the existing people in your company, keep them happy, keep them engaged. We know that good people are 54% more likely to leave in a toxic work environment. And so it's Absolutely. about screening at the front of the funnel to keep that existing base healthy and strong. Yeah. I know we're talking, your product is specific to their social media presence and being able to detect anything as a digital footprint. Mm. Would it uncover someone who is a toxic leader? They may have worked for some of the biggest companies, but they're just one of those leaders that just keeps repelling people. Yeah. Will it uncover anything like that? So we cover social media is a big part of what we do. The web results of a subject who you are online, Google footprint. But for our executive candidates, we're actually one of the largest executive screening firms worldwide. We're with a number of the big executive search firms on helping them vet the execs that they place with their client company. So that pulls up like litigation that pulls up any claims against that individual news articles about those folks that might not be in the standard media widely available on Google, but right. The sorts of stuff that might exist in offline periodicals, that kind of thing. So certainly like looking at a person's history, what they've said, what they've done, mm -hmm. that's the way we look at it. We think okay. about background screening. It's kind of the absence of bad information. It's the absence it of yeah. the hit. What we're saying is let's mm -hmm. talk about what they've said, what they've done, how they've engaged with the people that they've worked with. So yes, to some degree. Does it include what people have said about them? Like, I think, you know, if you look at mm, people right now that are just getting online and saying, my boss is the most horrible human being and they did this, this and this, right? Will it make those connections? No, we're not looking at what other people say about okay. a person, right? We're in the world of misinformation and disinformation online. Right. You could be ruined. We're very focused. And this is also a compliance piece <laughs> yeah, thing too, not yeah. just in the United States, but in the UK where... You got to only look at what people are saying, what they're doing, not what other folks are saying about them, right? That gets into the world of like libel, slander, and things that, you know, generally shouldn't be part of a pre-employment screening check. Well, it is when we're doing reference checks. Totally. Right? We do a 360 reference check and you're speaking to someone who reported to that individual. So that's covered there. So yep. great. So what was really interesting to me is when you said the traditional background check companies that do criminal background reference checking, they're embracing you. Yeah. They yeah. do not see you as a threat. No. I mean, this is something that is a reflection of what their customers are asking them, right? Okay. How do you deliver a comprehensive view that's reflective of what my customers, what my employees care about? So we've been partnered with the background screening firms for five years now. And we work with firms like First Advantage, Sterling, Higher Right, about two dozen others in the industry as well. They're uh, partners of ours, and, and we think that we can help offer a more comprehensive, well-rounded check that's reflective of what their customers are asking for. Is that the next step for you, acquisition from one of those companies? We're super focused on just like delivering value, and I think sometimes if you try to like work towards an outcome yeah. and just, it's kind of, I used to use the example of like going on a date. If you go on a date with someone and you're like, hey, I want to marry this person, you're not going to act like yourself, right? You're not going to be your authentic self, and it'll end kind of, you know, the non-organic outcome. But for us, it's like growing our customer base, delivering value for them day over day, and it'll all come out in the wash. Last question. Just really curious on pricing model. How does that work? So we actually don't sell direct uh, to HR teams. Typically, we sell through background screening okay. firms, applicant tracking systems. So they sign subscriptions with us for certain numbers of checks over a certain term. You get better unit economics for more checks that you run. And yeah, our view is that we want a social check attached to every background check that's out there. So that's what we're trying to do. Could I ask one last question? Oh, absolutely. Can you please explain the name? 
Yes, I Please. can. <laughs> I don't get it. I got you. I'll, uh, first off, it's not Eugene Fama, the Nobel Prize winning economist. Fama is a, a, a term that in ancient Rome, it's a Latin term. It meant fame via reputation. People who had such a pristine reputation, they were famous because of it. So that's what the name means. That's where it comes from. But I want to like just say here and remind <laughs> the audience too, like when I started this company, I was like crashing on an air mattress on my friend's living room floor in San Francisco, like having like a beer hanging out on a Squarespace website, searching for a domain saying, Oh, this is a good company name for this thing. That'll probably never take off and get off the ground. So the one piece of advice I would say is like, don't put your company name in all caps. Cause everyone going to think it's like a acronym or something mm-hmm. like that. So that was the one mistake we made in the name. Although I do like it. I do like it. Thank you for explaining that. So My now pleasure. If, if somebody does want more information about how to find you, how to, um, what is the best way for someone who wants this to be part of their employee experience? Yeah. Call your background screening firm, call your rep. Very likely that they have that in their toolkit based on the partners that we work with or head over to fama.io, fill out a contact form and we'll get you to the right person. Really interesting. I love the concept here. And I love that you're actually dealing directly with the partners instead of going directly to customers. So looking forward to hearing more. Are you excited? Anything at HR Tech that you want to see, that you want to experience any companies, anything that you're really excited about? Well, I've got a few happy hours I'm pumped for tonight. I got uh, my my boys over at the Chat and Cheese podcast. Uh, we'll be I'm, there. We'll see you I'm there. I'm going to go check them out tonight. They brought me on the bad boys of HR. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing them. And there's a lot of really cool stuff here around employee engagement, employee experience. And I think using talent insights, people analytics within that, there's some pretty cool disruptive companies here that are doing that. And I'm excited to meet them and learn more. Okay. Well, we'll see you after Chat and Cheese. We'll go for steak. Boom. Thank Boom. you. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo. For a podcast known to move the needle for investors, Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.